Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Jesus was speaking about his second coming. Though we'll never know the day or the hour of his return, we can know when the season is approaching. He went on to say, Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. What things? Well, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Hey, are you ready for the day Christ returns? I'm Ron Jones. Something good starts right now. The prophets spoke of it in the Old Testament. Angels have made reference to it in the book of Acts. Jesus talked about it himself in the Olivet Discourse. The Second Coming of Christ on today's edition of Something Good. Hi, I'm Brian Davis, and thanks for being here for another day of teaching with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. The Second Coming of Jesus is mentioned almost 2,000 times in Scripture. When God talks about something that much, He's trying to get our attention. Ron takes us to this prophecy next as he continues his teaching series, What on Earth is Happening? Examining the Prophecies of Jesus. Online, you'll find us at somethinggoodradio.org where you can listen to the broadcast on your schedule. Download or subscribe to the podcast at Spotify, at Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Again, the sky will darken. The moon will not shine. There will be such a dramatic release of the powers of heaven that all of the attention on planet Earth will look upward. Then the lightning strike in the sky and Jesus Christ comes riding in on a white horse with his angels and the elect from the four corners of the world. We'll get onto that in a moment. But this is a, a visible, visible event. I remember years ago we were in Israel and we were um, on the Mount of Olives. We go there to visit and I always love that time because there are some um, small amphitheaters that are carved out of stone and, you know, uh, tour groups can sit there and then uh, their pastor or Bible teacher uh, can, can open up the pages of Scripture. I always go to this uh, Olivet Discourse here. I mean, if you're on the Mount of Olives, you've got to talk about, you know, these kinds of things. And to my back is the Kidron Valley and those that are sitting there just get this incredible, you know, epic view of the city of Jerusalem sparkling in the midday sun. And I remember um, doing my best to wax eloquently about uh, Jesus' predictions about the end of the age from the Mount of Olives. And when we were done, I was walking back to our tour bus with our Jewish tour guide, a wonderful lady from South Africa named Bernice. Uh, we've been with Bernice many, many times, and uh, she has this great, great accent, and she says to me, Pasta, Pasta. Uh, and she's not a Messianic Jew, all right? She doesn't believe Jesus as her Messiah. But she says, you know, you Christians talk about the second coming. We are looking forward to his first coming. I think we're talking about the same event. And I kind of let it roll for a little bit. And, and, you know, she's always respectful of our Christian faith, and we're respectful of her Jewish faith. But I said to her, you know, that, that, that may be true, but are we talking about the same person? <laughs> she thought about that for a minute. And, and then we got on to something else. But it's visible. 
that moment, everybody in the world will see Jesus. And there will be one of two responses. Some will rejoice. Uh, those who come to faith in Christ during the tribulation period, and as I understand uh, the Scriptures, specifically the book of Revelation, there will be tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people who come to faith in Christ through the 144,000 Jewish evangelists that roam the world during the tribulation period and who recognize Jesus as their Messiah and share the gospel with others in the world, they will rejoice at his coming. Others, Jesus says, will mourn. Uh, this, this, this heavy sense of regret will come because in that moment, when they see Jesus appearing, not as the suffering servant they crucified, but as the King of kings, glorious and victorious, the one to whom every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, they will mourn and grieve the fact that they have rejected him. He comes suddenly. He comes dramatically. He comes visibly. I've alluded to this, but he comes victoriously. Look at it in the middle of verse 30. And it says, when he comes on the clouds of heaven, listen to this, with power and great glory. You ever been close to, to human power? You know, somebody who really has power Years ago when we moved to Washington, D.C., somebody scheduled for us a West Wing tour. A any average citizen can get an East Wing tour of the White House, but a West Wing tour has, has to be scheduled for you by somebody who, and somebody was kind enough to do that for uh, the Jones family. And uh, they don't let you inside the Oval Office, but you, you, you get to duck your head in there, okay? It's a lot smaller in person than it looks like on TV, by the way. <laughs> And the president can't be in the West Wing at that time. He's, he's someplace else. But you get a little glimpse inside that seat of power known as the Oval Office. It ain't nothing compared to the, the power and the glory of Jesus Christ when he returns. It will pale in comparison to that. He will come with power, with great glory, he will come like the victorious and reigning King of kings and Lord of lords. This is what they missed kind of in those, those blurred lines of prophecy in the Old Testament, that he would come first as a suffering servant and second as a glorious and victorious and reigning king. Number five, he will come loudly. Verse 31, and he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, with a loud trumpet call. And think about it, they will not only see him, it'll be so dramatic, nobody will miss the second coming of Christ. Everybody on planet Earth, their attention will be riveted to the sky, which has grown dark. The moon doesn't shine, the powers of the heaven being shaken, the lightning strike across the sky, Jesus Christ is returning but it will also be accompanied by a loud, piercing sound of the trumpet, the trumpet call of God. You know, sometimes that beautiful instrument called a trumpet plays uh, something soft and somber like military taps, right? 
We've all heard that. And it makes us, you know, it's a very somber moment. But oftentimes the trumpet is used in a piercing kind of way to announce the arrival of the king and the monarch. And maybe there's, there's something to that. Uh, the angels will grab that trumpet, and uh, it, it is the trumpet call of God. Interestingly enough, in the book of Revelation, describing the uh, uh, tribulation period from uh, Revelation chapter 6 through chapter 19, there, there is the unfolding and the cascading effects of God's judgments upon planet Earth in what are called the seven bowl judgments. At the end, the seven... Um, uh, or rather the seal judgments at the end, the bowl judgments, and in the middle, the seven trumpet judgments. And John the Apostle, while he's uh, catch, uh, receiving the vision of the apocalypse on the island of Patmos and writing this down for us in the book we call the book of Revelation, uh, he, he, he hears the, the trumpets in heaven announcing the judgment of God as it's poured out on planet earth during the tribulation. The last trumpet that is heard is the trumpet announcing uh, the return of Jesus Christ. So he comes suddenly and dramatically and visibly and victoriously and loudly. Number six, I, and I had to stretch with this one. I was looking for an adverb here. I think this works. I discussed this with my wife this week. I said, how does this work? But he comes with his family. Look at it in verse 30. It says, and they will gather his elect. Who are they? The angels? that are coming with him, gather his elect from the four winds and from one end of heaven to the other. Who are the elect? Those who have placed their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. As I understand Bible prophecy, as the church is raptured out of the earth, there will still be some who come, many who come to faith in Christ during the tribulation period. We in the church come back with him at the second coming and with the angels uh, to fight, you know, the enemies of God at the battle of Armageddon and Jesus, you know, wins uh, hands down. But there will be others that are gathered into that uh, great heavenly battle, uh, the elect of God who come to faith in Christ uh, during the tribulation. It's a family event, right? You know, if you're going to do something dramatic and sudden and visible and victorious and loud, you want your family with you. And the second coming of Jesus Christ involves the family of God. And finally, the second coming of Christ, He will return surely, surely. Go back to verse 30 where it says, Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. Still ahead, the second half of today's Something Good radio message with Dr. Ron Jones and something new is happening at Something Good. At somethinggoodradio.org, we just released a brand new streaming platform for Something Good radio and Something Good television, or what we're calling SGTV. There, you'll also find Something Good travel, Something Good courses, and the new Something Good digital library where you can search for biblical answers to your questions from nearly 30 years of Ron's Bible teaching ministry. Watch, listen, and download for free, and when it's convenient for you. That and a lot more is available now at somethinggoodradio.org. And remember, when you send a special gift today, we'll say thank you with a gift of our own. The complete audio download of the series you're hearing now, What on Earth is Happening? Examining the Prophecies of Jesus. 
Donate online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. Now, here's Ron with the second half of today's Something Good Radio message, The Day Christ Returns. The New Testament talks about, and I believe it's Peter who says this, that we have a sure word of prophecy in the Bible. Now, this isn't some um, horoscope that eh, may or may not happen, just kind of some general prediction about the future. Now, this isn't, you know, the prophecies of Nostradamus where eh, he's got about a 50-50 record. No, this is the sure word of prophecy. This, this is the ultimate sign as Jesus answers the questions to the disciples. What's the sign of your coming? A sign is, is meant to get our attention and to point us, in this case, to none other than the King of kings and the Lord of lords, uh, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't miss the sign. And don't miss the sure word of prophecy that comes from the lips of Jesus. Reading on in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 32, Jesus says, from the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. He says, listen, you know, those of you who are uh, uh, agronomists, uh, your farmers or your gardeners, you, you know, you see the signs when summer is near because the fig leaf is turning. Why can you not recognize when my return is near, when you see these signs. In, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 12, Jesus chided and rebuked those who were great at forecasting the weather. You know, long before Doppler radar came along, even back in Jesus' time, they would look up into the sky and see that the sky is red or the clouds were forming, and they would say, oh, it's going to be a sunny day tomorrow, or oh, it's, it's going to be rain tomorrow. He says, you, you can forecast the weather just by looking at the sky, but you can't look at the signs of my coming and forecast that I am near. He, he rebuked them for that. He called them hypocrites for being to, able to forecast the weather but not forecast his second coming. Jesus goes on to say in verse 34, truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. What things is he talking about? Well, those general signs we talked about, like birth pangs that increase in frequency and intensity as we get closer and closer to the age. The, the one sign, that specific sign, the abomination that causes desolation happening at the midpoint of the tribulation. We talked about that last week. And the ultimate sign, the sign that nobody will miss, the second coming of Jesus Christ. He goes on to say in verse 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. This is a sure word of prophecy. Be careful where you're investing in this world if all your investments are earthly. <laughs> it's it's going to go up in smoke one day, in fire. Heaven and earth will pass away, Jesus says, but my words will not pass away. And it's a reminder to us, friends, that there are only two things that last for all of eternity. It's souls, invest in souls, because we are, we are created for eternity, to live forever in a place called heaven or a place called hell. And the other thing that will last forever is the Word of God. 
You can trust it. You can take it to the bank. It is a sure word of prophecy. Two questions, and then I'll close. Here's the first question. I'm just going to guess is on your mind. As we talk about the most climactic event in human history, Pastor, when will Christ return? Wouldn't you like to know? I'm going to tell you next week, so you have to come back, all right? <laughs> Seriously, I've got to put a, a, a period somewhere in the text, and this is a good place to say. But I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not a date setter, okay? I'm not going to sensationalize this. You know where I'm going. Jesus says, nobody knows the day or the hour. The angels don't know. The Son of Man doesn't know. Only the Father knows. We're going to talk about what angels wish they knew next week, so come back. But here's the second question. Are you ready? Are you ready for the most climactic event in human history, the second coming of Jesus Christ? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, in one sense you're ready, but are you loving his appearing? Are you eagerly awaiting his coming? Some in the first century believed that he would come in their generation, and you know what they did? They quit their jobs, they sold their homes, they climbed up to the top of a mountain, and they waited. And the Apostle Paul writes to them in the New Testament, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he basically says, don't be foolish. Come down off that mount, get back to work. He says, occupy until he comes. We got a lot of people occupying today. You know, you hear these protesters, occupy this, occupy that. I always smile at that because it's really the devil taking something in Scripture and twisting it. Believers in Jesus Christ are to occupy this earth until he comes and to occupy in a way that we are busy about the Father's business. Not passively waiting, but busy about the Father's business to where the second coming of Jesus Christ is never far from our thoughts, never far from our hearts. We're praying, even so come Lord Jesus. And if you don't come today, it's another opportunity for me to share Christ with my family with my friends, with my workers, with some stranger I might meet today who's going through life just completely unaware of the most climactic event in human history that could happen tomorrow, at least the start of it, with the rapture of the church. So are you ready? And if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, maybe this is the first time you've ever heard something like this. Here's how you get ready. You run to the cross of Christ, where he died on the cross for your sins, paid the penalty for your sins, and offers the free gift of eternal life to anyone who comes to him by faith. He put a punctuation mark, an exclamation point rather, by all that he did and all that he said, and that death upon the cross when he rose three days later from the, from the grave. And then he ascended to the Father. And before he left, 21 times during his life, he said, I'll be back. I'll be back. So get ready. As we go further into the Olivet Discourse in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells two stories, parables. We love, we love Jesus' storytelling. He was a master storyteller. The first one simply asks this question, are you ready? And that's where I want to leave it today. 
encouraging you to put this on the, on the front lobe of your thinking. Believer in Jesus with a sense of expectation, loving his appearing, eagerly awaiting, busy about the Father's business, fulfilling the mission that he gave us as a church to make disciples of all nations and reaching as many people for Christ as we can. Thanks so much for joining us for today's Something Good Radio message, The Day Christ Returns. Ron, when you began this message yesterday, you talked about the patience of God, the fact that he is not delaying or tearing, but rather he is giving us as much time as possible to come to the knowledge of repentance. And that, at the end of the day, is the reason Jesus has not yet returned, because he is not willing that any should perish. It really speaks to his deep desire for eternal intimacy with us, does it not? It absolutely does, Brian. You know, I don't think even those of us who are believers in Jesus can fathom the depths of God's love for us. And that's ultimately what motivates his patience. Let's think about some of the ways God has attempted to make us fully aware of his existence, because that too is motivated solely by his love for us and his desire that we will be with him for all eternity. For example, the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. Now, how is it possible that the sun, the moon, the stars, the planets, uh, the very vastness and limitlessness of space can all be some sort of cosmic accident? Well, it just can't. That just doesn't make any logical sense. So God has revealed himself clearly through the heavens and through his creation. Now let's think about forensics, uh, things like fingerprinting and DNA and retinal scans. No two are alike. Again, that's no accident. We could go on and on and on. But let's now mention that God himself came down here to pay the consequences of sin because he knew we couldn't do it for ourselves. That's the ultimate expression of love. So we have creation, we have science, we have the incarnation itself. All of these things point directly to a creator and more importantly to a loving God who longs to have us join him and live with him in heaven for all eternity. And now let's think about this current series that centers on Jesus' prophecies concerning the end of the age. God is telling us in advance about things that will one day take place so that when they do, we will have one more, uh, well, painfully obvious reason to believe that he is, in fact, who he claims to be. This is how much he longs to be with us, Brian. He loves the world that much. And so the challenge for us is to love the world the same way he does to patiently and lovingly tell them the gospel, to share with them about the cross of Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, to tell them how science and the very creation around us point to God and not to some cosmic accident, to tell them about the prophecies in Scripture in hopes that it will convince them that the God of the Bible is the only one worthy of our worship and adoration. That is our job as believers in Christ. And as we see the world becoming more and more depraved with each passing day, Brian, I'm hopeful that it will stir within us a deep desire to share Christ with as many people as we can. That's what he does. Let us follow in his steps. 
Such an encouraging word, Ron. Thanks for sharing that with us. And as we wrap things up here on Something Good Radio, let's talk for a minute about what's coming our way tomorrow. Well, Brian, I alluded to angels earlier in today's message, the fact that they, along with the prophets and with Jesus himself, have shared prophetic information with mankind at one time or another. They have a physical proximity to God that we as living human beings do not have, uh, in the sense that they surround his throne. They worship him continually. And yet not even the angels have access to God's top secret information. They don't know when Jesus is coming again. I've titled the next message, What Angels Wish They Knew. And to find out what that something they wish they knew was, (laughs) you'll have to join us next time right here on Something Good Radio. Join us then for Something Good when Dr. Ron Jones continues his teaching series, What on Earth is Happening? Examining the Prophecies of Jesus. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for listening.